You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today we are back with another review of a newer movie, and this is The Black Phone, which came out uh, last month. And it's been making waves around the horror scene because uh, people have really been comparing it to It and uh, a couple other uh, big movies from the past, I'd say, four or five years of horror. Um, It's definitely been a success at the box office. I think it didn't cost that much to make. It was 16 to 18 million on its budget. And it's made $76.8 million. So it's made back its money and then some. That's, uh, that's worldwide? Uh, that is the worldwide gross. But I would imagine horror movies probably are most relegated to America. This is American film. And, you know, horror movies in general don't make $700 million. I think that's really... I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think that's just for the it category. I think that was the um, actual only horror movie that really ever crossed into that whatsoever um but uh, i digress so this movie is not on streaming right now so if you do want to see it it's going to be in the theaters i saw this two weeks ago and you watched this over the weekend i saw it last saturday with your mom and how crazy is this um the film was actually shot in wilmington north carolina and surrounding counties well you know wilmington used to be quite a large um place for Hollywood. Um, Probably about the time you were born, uh, Wilmington was really becoming quite popular with um, for settings for uh, movies. Asheville was as well for a while. Asheville still is to some extent, I think. But Wilmington was, it, it, it was pretty successful for quite a while i think there were some tv shows maybe dawson's creek was was filmed there in in wilmington and it seemed as though it was going to be a whole thing but i think it kind of went bust i don't know i I think i read an article i don't know a few years ago that just said that the wilmington the growth in the film industry in wilmington sort of died uh with maybe the great recession i'll i'll say this um i'm not sure if these laws have been enacted or these rules have been enacted state by state in my lifetime or even before but uh, generally a movie can get some serious tax benefits uh, or tax write-offs if they film in that certain state and in california where hollywood is and where there's many many beaches i would imagine that there's probably more of an incentive to film on those coastlines but it's nice to see that um north carolina got a little bit of love with this one yeah yeah i did not realize it was filmed right here in our home state no kidding all right so i want to know what did you think of the black phone nope first you got to give us a synopsis okay synopsis time uh so let's see Uh, In 1978, a serial child abductor nicknamed The Grabber prowls the streets of a Denver suburb. Siblings Finney and Gwen Blake live in the area with their abusive alcoholic father. At school, Finney is frequently bullied and harassed. He strikes up a friendship with a classmate, Robin, who fends off the bullies. And uh, I'll say this. Lots of uh, grabbing happens. Ethan um, Ethan Hawke is the main antagonist in this movie. He's The Grabber. 
Yeah, he's the grabber. And I believe he's the only large name in this movie. Um, it was directed by Scott Derrickson, um, who's also known for the exorcism of Emily Rose, The Day the Earth Stood Still. We saw that together. Was not impressed. Uh, Sinister and Doctor Strange from the 2016 one. So mm-hmm. pretty interesting pedigree right there. Um, Quite varied. Yeah. I found this movie both in trailer and in viewing it had a lot of similarities to it just in terms of, I guess, the premise and the overall setup, uh, dysfunctional families, uh, you know, it's it's centered on uh, tweens or teenagers, really. Uh, So and then, of course, this mysterious force that is terrorizing the town. Uh, So it's very much uh, Stephen King like. And that's because Joe Hill, his son actually wrote a short story called the black phone which this right. is based off of so um i want to know what you thought of the movie all right well first uh <laughs> i have a lot to say about this film and i'm going to start with the fact that in 1978 i was the age of these kids so i was about 10 uh and um i also think that this, so i think there's a little bit to this movie that felt um a little personal Not that mercifully I was ever in a situation like these kids found themselves in. I commented to your mom that in, in a, in a relatively small community, it struck me as odd that five or six kids had been abducted over a relatively short period of time. And no one had seen the van, no one. and, And her comment, which was very appropriate, which was there weren't cameras everywhere in 1978 like there there are or there is in 2022 and also ice cream trucks and other attractions like that kids were just always outside i think maybe the fear that was instilled of you know perhaps you know getting kidnapped or you know uh, stranger danger was probably in the 80s more so and i think you sort of connect with this film more because you sort of lived through that as a kid now um obviously you know, with me growing up in the early 2000s, it's a bit different. This had been well established by then. But I think that a lot of the 70s, late 60s, uh, through the 70s, brought a lot of um, serial killers who were essentially grabbers, like in this Mm -hmm. film. So Mm -hmm. the after effects of that with the media and, you know, how things don't travel, didn't travel as fast as they do now, Mm -hmm. probably set in, I would say, by the time you were in high school or so, yeah, I never heard the term stranger danger until you and Luke were born and it became a thing, right? You've heard that term many times, I know, because, you know, probably in school, they sort of reinforce that, you know, be careful, don't talk to strangers, all that Absolutely. sort of thing. And, and you know, growing up, I think we were taught not to talk to strangers too, but that whole stranger danger thing probably came about as a result of the time period that you just described. Let me just also say, it never really occurred to me that this movie has as many similarities to it as it clearly does. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is a Stephen King film. This is not, this is based on a short story. You and I discovered this movie via a trailer probably six months ago or so. We're always looking for rather a review for this movie about a year ago. So it had weirdly been completed and perhaps released at least in some film festival format uh-huh. and i think it maybe got slightly delayed but i thought it was going to come out sooner than it did yeah and it 
finally came around about a year later, but I'd read an extremely positive review of it. And that's where it got on my radar. Well, it was at 100% on the tomato meter until um, I think probably two days before it was actually released. So, yeah, you know, from a from the standpoint of, of horror films, though, I would really not I'm not sure I would call this a horror film. Okay, let me just say one or two more things before I tell you exactly how I feel about this. You know that I am not a fan of reality uh, terror. And when I say that, you know that I don't like the Silence of the Lambs because I don't like that whole scene where she's stuck down in the basement because Mm -hmm. those are things that really do happen. They can happen. So it scares you the most. The That's what scares me the most. Horror movies by and large with evil forces coming out of the sky or under the bed i mean they're 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 fun for jump scares but i don't really get scared by them because they're they're almost silly but when things can happen and i know do happen and terrifyingly enough happen you know in anyone's neighborhood that's pretty scary so with that said i will tell you that i liked this film but i never felt scared by this film i never felt there was this impending sense of dread in this film in fact i thought the movie was a little stronger leading up to finn's captivity in terms of its scariness yeah setting the tone and the stage and then when he's captured by the grabber there's a there's an element to this movie that the the trailer does not reveal which i appreciate because most trailers just give you the whole movie um but there was an element to it that was supernatural Mm -hmm. and i thought that was an interesting take but it took away the um the fear factor for me okay um i want to say that i agree with you entirely i thought it was a perfectly good movie. I didn't hate it by any means, but I was incredibly whelmed by it. (laughs) Um, On the contrary, I thought that the trailer showed every single critical plot point of the movie and didn't really leave any room for surprises. That's to be understood, I suppose, because if you stretch a short story into a feature length film, then obviously that's probably going to happen. But um, I would describe this more as a supernatural thriller, more yes. so than an out-and-out out horror movie. And in fact, I think this is probably a good entry point for people who don't love horror in general right. to be able to sort of watch without being too grossed out or too afraid of everything. Um, without saying any spoilers, there's three particular jump scares in the movie, and they're very sudden, and I'd say more earned than the typical, you wait 10 minutes, there's a jump scare that's really cheap and like the insidious movies, but um, I, I never, I never was startled by it because I felt like the movie, I was more engrossed by the setting and perhaps what would happen, what the payoff might be um, than perhaps what was happening in the immediate moment. Um, I do think that this film has a lot of problems and a lot of um, inconsistencies that could have been filled in a little bit more. Like I've said before, I'm fine with ambiguity, but I think that this movie kind of, I I think this movie had a lot of themes and stories to tell and couldn't really juggle them correctly. So I thought uh, some aspects of the film were quite good and very engaging and others were um, a bit head scratching and uh, not very surprising. Um, So I don't feel like I discovered 
much with this film. And I feel like I knew exactly as much as I did at the end as I did in the beginning. Overall, I don't really think much was answered. Something happened, but we'll go into that later. So would you recommend this to, um, would you recommend this to maybe a light horror fan or a hardcore horror fan or even non-horror fans? Yeah, I would recommend it. You know, I was talking to somebody about it this morning and I, I described it as a horror film. And then I said, well, you know what? It's not really a horror film. It's a thriller. It's a suspenseful mm-hmm. thriller. And I think if you can describe it that way, which I think is an accurate description of it, it's going to be more appealing to people. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, when it comes to horror, I don't like gruesome. Uh, I have to tell you, I only remember one jump scare in this. I didn't even get many of those. And I like jump scares. But I thought that overall, it was a, a perfectly uh, developed film that had some interesting takes that were new to the genre, but watered it down at the same time. Absolutely. Um, and I think that this film does fall prey to a lot of um, horror sensibilities in terms of what are you doing? Why would you do that? Um, well, X happened. Let's Why? please get to spoilers because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I would also, I, I've said this before, I'll probably see it again um, with Grace at some point because she wanted to see it. If you want to pay money to see this movie, I say go for it. I, I, I recommend it to anybody who wants to see it. And that's it. Um, it's worth seeing. It's yeah, worth seeing. It's not high praise. It's uh, not a huge knock on the film. It's, it's less just, than two hours. You know, there's a lot worse you could do than this movie. So um, I'll say Completely that. Agree. Let's move right into spoilers. You know the deal. If you want to watch it, go and do that. And if you have watched it or you don't care about spoilers, listen on. All right. So what do you have? All right. First things first. I thought the father figure was very poorly developed. A lot of people agree with you on that. Oh, is that right? I had not read that. So that's just, I thought he was poorly developed. I thought he was, the acting was mediocre at Mm -hmm. best. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. And there were scenes when he was so volatile, when she dropped the bottle Mm -hmm. of of alcohol, I I thought he was going to go crazy on her. Fortunately, he did not because it was his daughter. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it just felt very inconsistent with the level of anger he had developed right because you understand that he's a broken man whose wife has since passed and he's kind of stuck with two kids that he has love for but doesn't necessarily want the responsibility of um you're never really told whether he's a bad guy or if he because he just shows so many shades of being a loving father but also being manipulative but also irresponsible so i was just confused on that and I just want to say, I thought performances across the board were really, really all over the place. Um, I thought the best scene was when the father was getting angry. Uh, the best uh, performance from the little sister was when the father was getting really angry at her and the emotion she displayed was just heart-wrenching. It was just yeah. so sad to see. You know, It seemed like genuine terror, but I thought other than that, her performance was very poor. And I thought the same of... Um, Ethan Hawke's character for the most part too he was menacing enough but you put any other trained actor in that role and Ethan Hawke is not going to stand out with what he's done here I feel like any any you know well-known or um, any actor of uh, some sort of tenure within Hollywood could have played the role as well 
um, just as well. I, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult to say that he was standout because his character was obviously the most interesting, but I don't feel like it was particularly super strong or, you know, that super memorable villain. And I thought the main character's acting was probably the best in the movie, but it was here and there. And I thought the supporting kids' characters were just terrible with their performances. There was a couple scenes where I was just really surprised. Um, But then again, you have to hand it to uh, child actors, teenage actors. That's not an easy thing. And that's something you learn along with your years of experience. So that can be forgiven. But there were moments where I was thinking to myself, the performances here are really not that good. Um, Yeah. I did not. I don't agree necessarily with that. I thought that the relationship between Finn and his sister was was plausible. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was endearing. I thought I thought it was a little unusual that every Friday she goes to spend the night at a friend's house. Would her crazy, enraged, alcoholic dad approve of that or allow that because he would he's so selfish? I, I don't. I thought that was unusual, but I did appreciate their their relationship. Um, I thought Finn was his acting was really strong mm-hmm. you never really get the whole idea of why i mean yeah i guess i don't need to know the explanation but why were those bullies why did they gang up on him you know i i would have liked to have had a little more explanation of that he's I, scrawny he's unpopular you other know kids were scrawny too I yeah mean, of course but i mean i feel like sometimes bullying doesn't necessarily have a rhyme or reason it's just if you feel like you can overpower somebody and they're not going to fight you back then yeah i would have liked a little backstory on that sure sure i understand but it did seem like a couple kids really had his back and liked him um, yeah they ended up getting grabbed but they um, grabbed yeah but the, okay so the two other things that really made no sense to me okay first of all max the the brother who mm-hmm. the cops come in and and max is trying to uncover or de- decipher oh my gosh that was baffling uh, i'm so confused by that and it wasn't until the end before uh the comment the the explanation that there were two different houses i said to your mom so were they in two different houses because the way they framed that scene it looked like max was in the same house just on a different floor and i thought what is going on it, yeah max it was really poorly executed max is the grabber's brother uh yeah. just for context um i i thought that was ridiculous when he finally it's like he never walked down to the basement to like grab something from the fridge or see was what he was in around. the same house he was that's the thing he was right above it the entire time so i was kind of confused as to why i mean sure it was soundproofed but you would imagine his brother is probably there. He said he's in between jobs. So he was laser focused on figuring out who the grabber was. Is he really that clueless that he just never knew what was going on? He was always conveniently gone when the grabber was making food for him or waiting for, you know, it's just, he never saw him wear a mask or anything and thought that was weird. So I just, I feel like this film kind of shoves things in places that move the story forward. And Max was only there just to die so that the grabber could do something really crazy at the end. And it just didn't feel earned or made sense to me because I I will say that that scene Mm -hmm. near the end of the film when Mm -hmm. Max does die was my favorite scene in the film. I mean, it is pretty crazy, but there's a lot of stuff here that I just don't really understand. Um, they added the element of 
the younger sister being extremely prescient with her dreams as in and clearly the mother was right and i'm fine with the mother explanation like that's enough to leave me hanging and put some clues together but it's also just like okay so she just randomly says i think my dreams are real and then the cops are like yep yep that's probably true and then um she kind of just kind of gets better at guessing as time goes on and that can be understood with her relationship with her brother but then i just so many things that happened in this movie you know for example finney broke the window in um in the basement Mm -hmm. and then we are conveniently never seen we never see that window again oh your bars are off the sunlight would be pouring through and whenever he's doing an escape thing the grabber never comes down and discovers him in fact in the trailer it shows him on the phone and the grabber yells at him to hang it up and that scene never occurs and then they allude to the grabbers as in there's multiple grabbers they say that they know the phone is there but they say it doesn't work so i'm like there's more grabbers or okay so they know about the phone what's the significance about the phone and the grabber and then when finney rips off his mask he's freaking out and it's kind of like okay why is he does he just feel like naked without the mask on is it just like a trauma point for him i'm fine with things not being fully explained but i'd like at least crumbs more pieces that i can perhaps put together at least for my head canon so it's um yeah i wondered why the phone if the phone didn't work and and well we never did get that scene in the actual film for the grabber saying to Finn, hang up the phone. But I wondered if the phone is a problem for you, grabber, remove the phone from the wall. But, you know, that would be too logical. The other scene I will tell you that just baffled me was the guy at the pinball machine. All of a sudden we get, and, and your mom has tried to explain this to me, so I'm just going to go go with it. Sure. But, but all of a sudden we go to this convenience store and the guy's going to get his high, high score on pinball. And somebody knocks into the machine and the ball stops and therefore he loses, you know, he, he doesn't get hit to his high score. And all of a sudden he's in the police car with Finn's sister. And it turns out that the number that he wrote on her arm or his arm is the address of the house. I was like, I I have, I'm lost here. Yeah. So I think that Finn's sister wasn't, physically there but she saw him and saw what he did around then and i guess his high score maybe coincided with what the address was or something it did yeah i also just want to say that guy had an extreme overreaction to losing a pinball game i mean he beat the tar out of that kid who just like bumped into him and i mean maybe that was something that that happens in coming of age films i mean let's face it some of these some of these fight scenes were pretty brutal i gotta say this film was very very extreme towards children and there were that was probably some of the moments where it felt most intense because obviously it deals with you know losing innocence or perhaps um you know the sanctity of being safe as like a child and realizing that perhaps on your own turf or with the people around you you might not be as safe and with external forces like the grabber you're not safe as well being a child is um you know it's a very vulnerable time um, even though, you know, you're 
more pure and more innocent before you become an adult. So uh, I thought that was a theme that was explored pretty well. But um, let's talk about some things we liked a little bit. Um, I appreciated that the grabber changed his masks. I thought that was interesting based on his moods. Luke liked that a lot. Yeah, that was neat because you're kind of just like, I, I liked how they built him up. Like, what is this guy's intention? Like, what what is he feeling right now? Is he unstable or is he calm and collected, but very cold? Um, it, it was unnerving to see him come in every time. Um, so I appreciated that they kind of added that element to it. And I also thought it was clever that whenever Finn picked up the phone, his, uh, you know, the, the previous victim of a grabber would basically give him a small clue as to what to do to ultimately build to all these things that would work in his favor. I, I, I thought that was, I, I thought that was done well, like, you know, um, uh, digging a hole for the grabber to fall in or uh, opening, you know, getting to the fridge so that you could toss like uh, thing of the meat dog. to the dog. Yeah, the dog exactly. who came out of nowhere in that last scene. I think the dog was alluded to when he originally tried to escape when the grabber was sleeping. You could see it shaking like the door or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I will say the combination lock was one of the highlights. Um, yeah. When yeah, the- he was given that combination that the, the previous stu- kid who was grabbed wrote on the wall. Um, and then he went upstairs. I mean, there was some real tension and excitement in wondering when the grabber was going to come downstairs because uh-huh. it was soundproof. So Finn could do what he wanted down there and the grabber wouldn't know it necessarily. And so there was that tension, but the greatest tension of the film was when he was asleep the grabber was asleep at the chair in the kitchen and finn is trying different the same numbers but the sequence of the numbers to actually unlock that i thought that was really good and then he gets out Mm -hmm. and the grabber catches him again yeah it's it's very very interesting to me because um you know it's like the grabber was waiting for him it's like he has to escape but the grabber the grabber is expecting him to and he'll face severe punishment but um i think my biggest problem with this movie was like i said before i didn't feel like i knew more by the end than i did in the beginning and i feel like the most characterization we got with the grabber was when he originally kidnapped finney um you know he was a part-time a magician or so he said and he used that van to track down his victims and of course you know take them but it, it's interesting to me it's like why does he need to cover his face where does that come from um i think it's alluded to that he spent a lot of time in that basement as a child so perhaps it's trauma from uh being um abused by uh, very strict parents but that's all we're really given um he doesn't really do anything that is super scary towards Finney. He doesn't come down whenever Finney is in the middle of something. Uh, he's used sparingly enough that he's interesting, but I felt like the movie knew that the grabber really didn't do much at all in the grand scheme of things. So he had to hit his brother in the head with an ax and say, oh, look what you made me do. And it's just like, oh, okay. So I know the grabber is actually capable of doing sadistic, crazy things. But at the same time, at the end of the movie, I was thinking he the worst thing he did, and which is terrible, was abduct people and obviously, you know, kill them. But he, nothing really happened to where you thought that he could be where you thought Finn was on really thin ice. 
right? Or Finn was on really thin ice because he didn't come down and catch him doing something. He didn't do something. All he did was watch him or just speak in sort of weird, cryptic ways to him. It's just like, what were his intentions? And I'm fine with not knowing exactly what it was, but I didn't know anything about the character after leaving the movie. And I didn't really know what his plans were. So it was more interesting watching than thinking back on it and saying, oh, the grabber was crazy because he did this. He didn't really do that much. Mm-hmm. And he really he really lost very easily to uh, Finney. I will say that. And the grabber had no, I think this is really in a lot of ways what you're saying, no identity other than the fact that he was a yes. grabber. So if he was sort of, you know, the neighbor everyone loved or the neighbor who was standoffish or the don't walk on my grass neighbor or the, the, the teacher at the school or something, you know, right. where you thought, oh my gosh, you know, a twist, so to speak. But you really don't get invested in the character because there's no character development. You yeah, I agree. That could have worked really well where you didn't really see his face um, in the beginning when he obviously was, you know, kidnapping uh finney and then you were seeing another character throughout the film like one of the adults and it turns out that like maybe when finney knocks off the mask you see his face and you're like oh he's that character maybe like a little twist or something could have worked and we don't always need twists but like you said he had no real identity and therefore i felt like he wasn't ethan hawk's character he could be mr anybody evil right right so, and I, I didn't really get the sense that he was incredibly dangerous besides the things that were alluded to that he had done in the past, but I didn't feel like he exhibited those characteristics necessarily. Cause I don't even think at any point he was about to, you know, really attack his victim. He just kind of watched and talked and slightly threatened and really stayed out of Finney's way for the most part. So um, yeah, there's that. And obviously, you know, we're rooting for Finney, but I wanted to see more out of our villain because ultimately that's what the grab of the movie was, right? That's what the- No uh, pun intended. Exactly. That's what like the draw of the movie was. So, you know, I I thought the film ended relatively quickly and um, some characters could have been flushed out a lot more. There were some very interesting things that I like in horror movies. I I thought the method of, um, you know, how Finney got out and what he was doing piecemeal just to finally make his escape was great. And I thought that it was interesting to- learn a little bit more um, about what his interactions with the grabber might be like. But in retrospect, a lot of nothing happened in my opinion. And it just felt very whelming to me. Yeah. It was, this movie was being heaped with praise and I don't think it doesn't deserve some of the kinder aspects uh, of critique that people have given to it. But I also don't necessarily feel like this is an incredible must-see, way different than anything else. It's a perfectly good film that entertains. um, But I do have to say, I think I saw everything in the trailer. Um, I was not particularly caught by surprise in anything that I saw. I think the trailer is scarier. It's more suspenseful than the entire film. That said, you said the ending, um, you know, it was a relatively quick ending. I appreciate that. I don't I don't need you to go on and on. I like short movies. This movie did, did not exceed two hours. I was entertained the entire time. I was not uh, um, tense or scared like I thought I might be. And it's the kind of movie that after I left it, you know, my immediate reaction is what I started here with was I never felt a sense of tremendous dread. 
and and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, right? um, it, it 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 was a story that opened and closed completely. I'm not wondering what happened. I'm really glad Finn gets out, and then the the ending was satisfying, and that's what I need in a movie. So I'm good. So how many how many Z's would you give it, Z? Um, if we're equating our scale to a one to ten scale, then I would give it three out of five Z's, which is equivalent to about a six. Yeah. Okay. I um, also would give it three Z's mm. as well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's worth seeing. I would recommend it to to people who like suspenseful films or like horror films. But if you go if you go expecting a horror film, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. If you go expecting a suspenseful film, you might really appreciate. I think the um, the slant on it that was a little bit different than what we've seen in other films. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I think I was anticipating a lot of stuff that just never just happened, never happened or wasn't going to be there in the first yeah. place. And maybe that's my own fault as a viewer. Um, yeah. But overall, I think most people will really enjoy this movie. And mm-hmm. we're critics who watch quite a few horror films. So perhaps it landed less effectively with us. But overall, if you want to watch it, I think you'll be happy that you did. I think it's worth it's definitely worth seeing. And it's worth spending movie ticket prices i think to see it's not like a movie you leave thinking oh my gosh i can't believe i spent money on that not at all it's it's a perfectly serviceable uh rather slightly inventive take on the horror genre yeah yeah i gotcha i i I think that's I, i think that's summed up very very well yeah um yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to give spoilers for what we're doing next week or the week after, but um, yes, you yeah. do, huh? Yes, you do. I will say it was no top. Oh, 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 oh! No, you can't talk about. I thought you were just going to say what our next film is. We're going to be reviewing Top Gun because I saw that on Saturday or Sun. No, I saw that on Monday, two days Top ago. Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick? Top Gun Maverick. Yes, the 2022 film and sequel to 1984. Six is Top Gun. Yeah. Yes. Cool. I'm looking forward to having that discussion. I saw it Memorial Day weekend, six weekends ago, and uh, I believe it. Well, I'll leave it at that for now. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh, Are you check it out. I have a public service announcement. All right. What you got? Okay. Fireworks, folks. Mind your pets. So. Many of our listeners know we have two very large dogs with two very different personalities. And one of our dogs was freaked out by the fireworks. The other one could have cared less. And which ones were those? Well, you have to guess. I think who was freaked out. I think Haas hated it. And I think Pepper was fine. That is completely wrong. Is that true? Haas slept through the entire thing. And Pepper just sat there and drooled all over me. (laughs) because she could not sit still she was going crazy your mom thought she was going to have a heart attack and since we know someone whose dog had a heart attack because of fireworks i didn't i completely agreed with her but she's thankfully fine i think we're good to go until new year's yeah that is i mean that is serious business you know um I, i think that sometimes you think your dogs might just be freaking out a little bit but um especially when you have hearing like they do and yeah, that's what your mom said as to say we also have a perception of what fireworks exactly are dogs do not so uh 
yeah. definitely, definitely cover their ears or keep them in a safer place because um, I think there's been more than one occasion where I've heard that it's uh, been pretty terrible for yeah. your so that's uh, my PSA. Friend. Cool. That's my July 4th PSA. Yeah. Uh, my PSA is uh, go get your car a tune-up. I mean, a lot of people really neglect, uh, you know, changing their oil or checking on, uh, making sure their like backup camera is all right. But I think it's really important that people remember not to just check up on your car once every year and a half or every time. Sounds it like the voice of experience here. Is there something you haven't told us? No, no, it's, it's not, it's not a, like a extremely personal thing, but you know, with cars uh, not really being a great buyer's market today, take as good of a care as you can with your car, because I got lucky with my uh, 06 Accord and whatnot. And, you know, they're long lasting, but you know, cars are, uh, I mean, you should treat them as the incredible investment that they are because they're very expensive machines that can cost you a lot of money if the wrong thing happens. So um, since I have one in the shop and another one that's going, I will completely agree with you. Yeah. And tires, uh-huh. they, are, they are not, uh, they are not cheap. That's for sure. So uh, definitely as, uh, you know, those weekends where you're thinking that you just want to do nothing, take an hour to just take your car over, get it checked, go walk around the mall or whatever shopping center you're at. What's a mall? Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Strip mall, maybe. And, uh, you know, come back. You'll be glad you did because, um, you know, cars are, cars are also serious business. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to another episode of ZZ Tonk. We have just reviewed the black phone. So hopefully if this has convinced you to watch it, uh, you will be uh, guided by our thoughts, but formulate your own as well. We'll be reviewing Top Gun Maverick uh, next time around. So that's going to be exciting to talk about because I know that means a lot to you as an 80s guy. And um, I guess to me as a Tom Cruise fan and lover of uh, cinema. Yeah, um, I do want to say that if you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts, there is a, um, what is it, a quiz or a, uh, a survey there's no, a poll. Up a poll. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And we invite you to participate in that poll, uh, rating your favorite Star Wars television show of four or five options. Not all of them are on there, but yes, I was, I was that is for Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, our previous episode. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll have more polls to engage with listeners because honestly, we want to know what y'all think. That's right. But since we have very limited time, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is easy talk.